Hello, welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth. This is season six, episode eight, Into Another Being, with Miriam Gossing. Miriam makes experimental queer art films with her main collaborator, Lena. Their work is shown internationally in exhibitions and film festivals, including recently at the International Film Festival in Rotterdam and Image Forum Tokyo. Miriam is from Germany and founded a gay film festival in her little hometown. She's been visiting my little hometown of Portland, Oregon for years now, working on a long-term film project about mermaids. Her work is so fun, deeply thoughtful, I hope you get a chance to watch some of it on her site at gossingseekman.com. That's G-O-S-S-I-N-G dash S-I-E-C-K-M-A-N-N.com. Yeah, my name is um, Miri Gossing and I'm an artist and filmmaker from Germany, specifically Cologne. And I'm working since 10 years in an artist duo with my partner, Lina Siegmann. I studied fine arts with a focus on performance, photography and experimental film in Cologne. And later I studied fine arts in Düsseldorf and at another academy. And then began working as a freelance producer, curator and yeah, art producer. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Lina and my work is known for having like a very specific approach to filmmaking. It's um, experimental film, I would call it, and it's mostly coming from a documentary background and exploring architecture and history and facades and emotions which are connected to rooms and architecture and surfaces, mm. and then combining that with an a voiceover, which is often collaged and written out of several voices. So you're approaching, like, or searching for a collective voice very often, and that is like happening in several of our films. Another specific thing about our art is that we are filming on 60 millimeter analog film, which is not so common anymore nowadays. But it, I hopefully, hopefully, it gets more common again. And so we have like this very cinematic, photographic, slow cinema style. With 60mm I have the feeling, um, if you're imagining like a still image, a photograph, and then um, you're photographing a room and you want to look very long towards an image till it be starts to talk to you still like some thoughts in your own coming up so we, we are really um, wanting to let room for the for the viewer to get into their own emotions and project something onto the image and the voiceover which is in between them so I have the feeling um, it adds like a, a specific beauty to the image especially um, as there is a vivid how you say that in English, a vivid grain, constantly moving. And it's also like you can film very um, modern, hyper-realistic or even 
cheesy for some people cheesy or campy i would say in a positive way campy <laughs> surfaces and and really give some beauty to it and um, i think this is something that um, is very different to digital imagery which is like mainly sharp analog filmmaking is mainly very soft and very vivid alive and um, also the way you shoot is completely different because you really have to take care of every image the film costs a lot it's a t totally different way of of producing film because you don't see what you what you're shooting and you don't see it before like it comes back from the lab two months later um, i mean it depends on the lab some labs are faster but um, if you want to have a low-cost version you wait mostly a month because it has to be um, sent to a lab then it has to be developed and then it has to be scanned so that takes a while and then we yeah, prefer a nice scan so there are several labs in europe who are still doing that in germany there's actually no lab anymore who's doing um, this kind of work They all close down, so it's also for me and for Lina definitely a way of keeping something alive, which is like part of the history of cinema and also, yeah, it gives like a lot of worth to image making and it's like more, yeah, very much connected to underground filmmaking, slow cinema and, um, yeah, breathing <laughs> while you're watching a movie. Um, other than like very fast editing, very producing tons of material which isn't used for the film. We are like mostly aiming for yeah, using nearly everything that we shoot in our films. Yeah. So um, one film which I really like is um, called Desert Miracles and it's um, mostly shot in the outskirts of Las Vegas in, in Nevada. And yeah, we were like... Um, wanting to shoot something in Las Vegas and we just had the feeling oh it's so hard to film something in Las Vegas which is not over filmed already which is not shown like too many times in the same way and um, yeah I was like working in a performance seminar at that time um, and thinking about how can love be political what is a political love letter reading a lot of like um, queer feminist theory and then We were um, yeah, seeing this wedding, wedding um, architectures, the different chapels, and we were like super interested in how the symbols and the architecture and the, the design of the chapels are like already talking so much to, um, to the person who enters it that we, we decided to do like a film in 21 tableaus, only the empty interiors of wedding chapels. And then combining that with a with a collaged love letter, and the love letter is collaged out of anonymous posts of women in wedding forums or wedding platforms online. Yeah, so it has like this this feeling of a collective female voice and a lot of different thoughts and emotion um, putting yeah collaged into one one narration. So this was like. A project we did, and this was in 2014, about um, fears um, before the wedding. <laughs> They were talking about, like, questioning what is love, what is commitment, what is love in our society, and also how can love 
survive in capitalism. Um, that that is a, um, was a friend of mine um, from San Francisco. It was actually um, really nice because we were very close and we were actually sending along via <laughs> voice messages ways to how to read it out. <laughs> really aiming for something that feels very natural and warm, um, which is contrasting the very cold surfaces of the empty um, chapels, which some people even like think it's like funeral homes, <laughs> which is also interesting, I think. <laughs> I mean, as we already were like for a longer time in the world of fine arts and were like exhibiting regularly, we were like planning to have an installation with the movie. Um, like um, one of the things which is maybe special about Lina and my work is that we very often build environments around our films. So with the with the chapels, we actually copied a chapel and um, built the monitor like this into into a room which is like completely dark and you're sitting with two persons in front of the in front of the screen and you have these curtains which are set in red and so we are always like trying to um, build an intimate environment which also changes the way you view films and It's different to the cinema often to work in an artistic way with moving image because people come and go. People can go close to the monitor, they can go far away, they can only stop in for a minute. Mm -hmm. So you're more thinking as films as a loop structure, not so much about the start and the ending, but more about like atmosphere, feeling. And, and I think every image has to have a quality which is different than like maybe a 90-minute feature film where there's also totally okay to have some some empty images to let them let people breathe. Both movies we did in America were like really, really, really well received. Actually, I would say um, another one we shot in Boston in a small town close to Cape Cod. Mm. And these movies were like shown at an A festival in Germany, which was like super, super nice for us because um, there's the International Short Film Days in Oberhausen and they showed both of our movies. And um, yeah, it also won, this one not, but the one afterwards also won several prizes and, and we got stipends with it. And people received it like, yeah, very, very differently. But um, most people who are looking at it We're like very touched by it. This collective feeling of love and failure in love and um, what does love mean for us each individually? That was something I think a lot of people could connect to. Yeah, some, pe um, some people even came out crying. As a chapel one is called Desert Miracles and the Boston one is called Ocean Hill Drive and it's just the name of the street where we filmed most of the time. And this is a film about, yeah, about a suburb near Cape Cod, but um, close to Plymouth. Um, and in this, in this um, suburb, like flickering lights appear in residential homes, and um, the flickering lights are so heavy and so intense that people leave their homes and um, are gone for several hours a day. It has like a very spooky, haunted house, eerie, weird atmosphere to it because you don't really know where it's coming from in the movie and 
you just make them think, oh, maybe it's like animation or no, are they tricking us or is it, what could it be? And we actually never wanted to show that in the film because it was really for us about um, something immaterial, creating fear in a community, which is then used as a projection of your own inner traumas and depressions and so like the people are talking a lot about what it um, what it does to them and how the community change how people are talking about each other's back how um, this boy in the rocky nuke avenue is like getting seizures from it or the other woman um, feels like she doesn't want to leave the house anymore and it has like this like eerie small town atmosphere and when we were there at this place and we did a lot of interviews with the residents how they feel in this um, environment and so the interviews were like super super beautiful and close and we realized oh wow when they tell us a story they are often referring to horror movies because in the memory somehow you mix up I think what you experience on your own but also then film history because it had such a haunted house atmosphere what was actually happening to them and we don't show in the movie where it's coming from but it's actually coming from a falsely situated wind turbine 500 meters away from this town and um, if the light is in a certain angle the blades of the wind turbine go in front of the sun and then you get a massive flicker like really like like a strobe we didn't want to make the film only about like this political issue of someone in experimental film, there is like um, this era in the 60s where it's all about like flicker film and playing with perception. What is perception? How does, it, does the eye actually receive imagery? Mm -hmm. And there are this like very famous films from Tony Conrad's The Flicker. And there's like actually just minutes long black and white flicker in the cinema to get you into like LSD like states wow. and like um, playing with your perception. So we were finding that so interesting. Wow, this is happening in the real life of the person's now a constant flicker. Wow. And also the 60 millimeter camera shutter is like going in this, um, yeah, flickering 24 times a second. Wow. <laughs> and so we thought, oh, wow, that's fascinating. That's interesting as an experimental film topic. And then the stories of the residents we just met when we went there were even stronger. So, yeah, we collaged that together. And um, this is a 22-minute film. Um, me and Lina, we are working since six years now on our first feature film, which is a big step for us because... We were mostly working in the art world, in the short film, experimental film world. Now we are aiming to do a 90 to 120 minute piece. And um, the film is about sirens and mermaids and mersonas. This is a non-gendered word for merfolk. And, <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, um, the, the place to be is Portland, Oregon for that. Because there we found the most beautiful, wonderful, inspirational and interesting characters for our movie. Yeah, so our idea was um, back then, I, f I just found a swim course in Germany. It was just close to my hometown, which is Cologne. And it was like, just like grannies and their children swimming with mermaid tiles. And I was, what? How interesting. 
I would love to do that. I'm a total water person <laughs> on my own and I'm, I could like stay for hours in water and I was just like, oh, I find that interesting. Why do people to wear tails and isn't that like a very unfeminist way to do and isn't like this whole narration of the mermaid and the siren in the Hans Christian Andersen novel or like Ariel like very like um, toxic mostly the woman always dies because she wants to be loved <laughs> and give, gives away her voice yeah. her body and like actually everything so we were like I was like hmm, don't get that <laughs> so but I was like somehow interested by the image no? like of these people swimming in the in the swimming pools so I started researching and I found about this huge culture which is like really so big you can't even put it in one one theme or one kind of person who is like mermaiding there's a huge variety of people who are who doing mermaiding which means they are performing swimming diving in a mermaid tail which there are several um, yeah, shops where you can buy that by now. I think it's not that old. It's actually something that probably came out 10 years ago for normal people to afford. Before that, it was something which, like, for example, there was a share movie where it was still like 10,000 to get a, a custom-made silicone mermaid tail, but now there are available options for people and you can swim really fast in these tails. And around this... Um, this swimming aspect and this mermaiding aspect there's also the aspect of activism very much like a lot of them are like nature and ocean activists a lot of them are animal rights activists and then there are all there's also a group of underwater models underwater athletes which can take their breaths very very long and we we researched all that there are mermaid competitions in Egypt done by American millionaires there are <laughs> international mermaid competitions and yeah all mercons festivals all these different things and somehow yeah we traveled through the whole country with um, a fund we wrote a lot about that beforehand and then we traveled to the US because we we found out here is the biggest scene for that and I was searching for mermaids in Portland and then I found Una, um, who is our main protagonist now. And um, Una and her friends, so-called Pod, her group, um, um, opened up a totally new perspective on this figure and something that Lena and I were deeply interested in because we are coming very much out of a background of queer theory and also very interested in, in new materials list feminism like Donna Haraway where it's very much about yeah how to connect human animal and science and spiritualism and um, so we were really thinking that this imagery of the of the mermaid and siren could be so interesting because it has so many layers by now for us so many different directions it can go to um, because it's, yeah, of course, half human, half animal, highly sexualized figure, but virgin at the same time. Maybe just a male pro um, projection or um, super active siren witches, which are, you know, which are doing the opposite, which are um, drowning the man underwater. And yeah, there are all these like, different tales and so much information also in literature and in filmmaking about them so it was really fascinating for us and with Una there is coming this aspect of overcoming the body of trauma very much into it because Una is a um, psychologist finished um, their PhD and 
Una is working um, for several years in the prison um, as a psychologist with women. So um, Una taught us a, l a lot about also the, um, the connection between trauma and play and like embodying in the spiritual realm of, um, of water and um, becoming a persona and developing your own um, identity and yeah now we are, this, we are working since a long time with this very wonderful group of people which have all totally different reasons and ideas what their persona is and why they are doing this so so it's, it's not so easy to say all mermaids are like this all mermaids are <laughs> all mersonas are different um, like all humans are different so it's just very fascinating which deep and like philosophical and yeah, artistic views they have on this figure and how they are filling that figure with life. We had a huge um, break because of the pandemic and we couldn't travel anymore from Germany to Portland, uh, which was a drama because we just got our main funding finished just before the pandemic happened 2020 and then we were like stuck somehow. So. We actually um, connected to a Portland camera person, Ted Davy, and we did some Zoom directing with him. So we, we talked about our vision and we didn't ever met before. And then he and um, two other friends, Pam Minty and Miles Britzma, they were like going out and um, filming for us from afar and during the protest because it was a very important moment for the mermaids and because they are all activists and for different forms like diverse reasons and diverse topics um, it was like very important to film something but we couldn't be there anymore so mm. that was crazy we yeah, found that great people which we're still collaborating with and two years pandemic happened and um, at one point we were just like so stressed we didn't want to wait anymore so we yeah we really tried to get every um, every chance and like called like a lawyer and talked to other production teams how they're doing it then we found out that we could actually apply um, for a journalist visa so we became um, members of the German journalist how you call that association <laughs> and um, could apply um, for a visa in the United States and came back yeah because we the film was actually going to be broadcasted from the um, German television and we get funding from the ZDF. It helped a lot that we had like uh, urgency to come over again so we could come for our first shooting period back in fall 2021. And yeah, then we all had to, yeah, we had to get to know each other again because we didn't see each other for two years. And yeah, we did some studio shootings in a nice studio in Portland. Video is the future, we can really recommend the studio. It was a lot about yeah, seeing what is possible now in these different situations. A lot of the MERS we are working with are struggling with health issues or disabilities. So that was also a big topic for us all the time. How to do a feature film with protagonists which um, have health issues in a pandemic. So we often had to change our concepts because in the conversation we found out now that is not possible. Uh, we have to do it different. And yeah, it was like a, in general, like a very big collaborative process. There was this vision of me and Lena of having like a hybrid film, which is a science fiction meets a documentary because it's real persons. But still we have like this, like very f philosophical utopian ideas of what sirens can bring to the world. And so we, yeah, in a very deep 
collaboration and conversation we we are doing this film and it's very process orientated I would say so it's very much like changing ideas and getting into conversation and dialogue with the protagonists not so much us doing a film about them so that's also something which helps a lot and now we just finished our second shooting period in Portland and uh, flying tomorrow to New York and Florida because there are a lot of other mermaid-related places we um, want to visit with our main protagonist, Una. We come back um, 15th August for another one and a half months to shoot. The final shooting will be in Hawaii because Una is from Hawaii, grew up in Hawaii and is born there. So this is going to be very exciting shooting for us because Una hasn't been back in 30 years. It's um, super emotional for um, for her and also for us something we really want to explore together because of all the beauty, the natural and also the this image of the of the island and um, yeah this utopian place which is often the island in queer history which has something oh. special about it like the the place yeah. to to leave the mainland right. and and yeah build something on your own and um so we find that very um exciting to go there together swim with una in the ocean and doing underwater footage will be very very exciting and a challenge because <laughs> no, filming with the camera underwater we just tried some shoots in um in a local pool in portland which came out really good but doing it in the ocean is another level with a lot of species around you uh, so that would be funny one of our protagonists and our friend iloria and ray were just talking about it how i first had um, put a tail on and i was like oh will it fit me how will i feel i thought oh maybe it's just awkward to put it on and when i was finally swimming with it i really got a sense of how it feels to be a mermaid or a mersona because it um, really gives you like a lot of speed and you can like really move through the water very easily and it's also um, yeah just feels good because you have to swim in another way you more have to swim like dolphin style swimming <laughs> you know so um, yeah it's a lot of core work um, to swim like that um, but I really enjoyed it I was just like having this like, like the biggest smile on my face <laughs> because I'm such a water addict and like um, yeah if I'm going to the beach or to a lake with um, with my friends I'm normally like out there for two or three hours whatever weather and how cold it will be it doesn't matter for me so it was like very interesting also to feel how they feel and what it also does to your body um, I think there is a big moment of body positivity to it because you're um, changing your your body into something which is better is working better underwater or is working better in the water and we had a lot of interesting discussions about that like the deviant body and you're having this prothesis of the mermaid tail which transforms you into another being which then makes you f uh, move like effortless and like like supernatural underwater and gives you this like graceful look <laughs> so um, a lot, two of our mers are um, actually visually impaired and they talked a lot about that like that they feel more 
more real or more um, authentic in water even because there are no boundaries like in real life for them where they always like are struggling because life is not um, and the society is not um, um, giving a feeling of agency and and, and um, yeah, being able to move freely again and I find that so beautiful yeah. um, that this is giving to and also like yeah we had a lot of discussions about the topic of um, um, having fat bodies, having disabled bodies, having chronic ill bodies and um, how there's also a lot of like um, healing and empowerment and finding beauty in oneself through this, which I also love very much about it. Yeah, for future filmmaking, I really wish that like more funders and more persons are investing in, in um, experimental film, which is like risking something which is going into the unknown or going into a deeper process allowing people to work deeply research based on their um, things and not having a clear plan for everything because this is not where magic happens <laughs> normally or where um, um, yeah, you can't you can't always like plan art <laughs> to be great you know you have to ha it works in other in other waves, I would say, and um, yeah, I, I think that's something I would really wish for that um, there's like new hybrid forms coming up, and the different arts forms um, can intersect and connect on different levels, and there won't be like this boundaries of this is art, this is cinema and film, and this is TV or stuff like this. That it's more um, inspiring and intertwining with each other. And I think then there is like so much space for new forms and new ways to to express emotions, feelings, states, or also narrate stories. And that yeah, is what I find really interesting and what I hope to be able to continue my whole life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only yeah. thing I want yeah. to say is that I want to send a lot of love and light and um, a big thanks to my more friends in Portland who are a very big part of this project and make it possible for us to do it and are, yeah, are such an inspiration, light and wisdom to our lives and not only to the film, <laughs> which is really, really great. And so thank you very much. This episode was sponsored by Oregon Humanities and the Oregon Community Foundation. Written and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Dominic Armstrong. If you have any questions for us or feedback about the show, I hope you'll feel free to reach out at any time, futureprairie.com, or hit us up on social media at futureprairie.